1: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Friday, May 20th, 2022, and today is Power to the Pod. It's your questions, your topics, your hot takes, you name it. We're getting into it here today on the show. So let's go ahead and dig in. Locked on Dolphins, Friday, May 20th. Let's get after it.
0: You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Tom Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. Your host here, and all I'm doing is just taking this thing wherever you guys want to take it. Locked on Dolphins, power to the pod, which means the show is in your hands as we do once a week. Looking forward to seeing what you guys have cooked up for us. want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. So with that in mind, let's dive right in. We got a couple of iTunes reviews from the podcast that I want to lead with today. We got some really good questions that I I did take a sneak peek at. So uh, we should have ourselves an interesting conversation. And the first review comes from GM Hindsight. And uh, it it is of the five-star era and and i appreciate this question a lot and he's from sweden so i think this is like a triple down cool that it's a good question Uh, it really made me think international listener uh so gm hindsight asks um respect your confidence and graciousness to mention other pods i mean i got a bunch of friends in this industry and a bunch of acquaintances in this industry that have been nothing but good to me so uh, if I can make everybody aware of of all the great stuff that's out here for Dolphins fans, I know there's a lot of places uh, that are easy to access that don't give you great Dolphins content. So I would rather help kind of give Dolphins fans whatever their menu and their palette looks like. But, but his question was, uh, who wins between the 80s offense and the late 90s, early 2000s defense? And what song from either era is the winner's theme song? You know I'm going to pick Dan, right? Like, yeah, JT and Zach Thomas and Sam and Pat and Brock Marion, Trace Armstrong, and Wally O'Gonglier. Like, there's some dudes on those teams, but I'm taking the Marks Brothers and Dan Marino all day long and twice on Sundays. So, uh, as far as what song, uh, the song was going to be the same either way. It's the Dolphins' fight song, is what, what they're going to play as the theme for after they win. Um, uh, <laughs> MP Dolphins 34 left us a review of the show uh, a week ago. And it came through right after I recorded last week's edition of, of Locked on Dolphins. So we're getting to it this week. DM would you on Twitter with a question? I know you're busy, but we'd really appreciate your input. My question is, are we overlooking the fact that our defense could take a big step back due to Flores not being here anymore? It's a true concern. I have the first eight weeks of the year last year, our defense was not good. What are your thoughts? I think there's a, a, this is a reasonable concern to have relative to the dynamics of, of each half of the season, right? And, but I, I, there were a couple, a couple of the worst games that the Dolphins played last year, and down the stretch against the Raiders was bad, right? Um, down the stretch uh, against Tampa Bay was bad. They, and both of those games I thought were relatively good through three quarters of play. The Buffalo game was relatively good for the first half of the contest. The first time we played him, we played him pretty tough defensively. The second time we played him too, it's not for a garbage time touchdown uh, that you'll see plenty of gifts of when Miami finally gets off the schneid uh, with that particular matchup. I have not forgotten, um, but I, I think there's, there's a dynamic to some of the Dolphins' big defensive struggles that you could point to the insertion of Javon Holland. You can point to a couple different personnel changes and changing who was asking a couple guys to do too much and getting back to what the game plan was the year before. I think that's what I'm encouraged by is that the blue the blueprint existed. And for whatever reason they chose not to do it right in the first half of the year. Um, But I also think there's a level of complimentary football that the dolphins did not play last year for a vast majority of the season where they weren't consistently putting drives together and they were consistently running their defense back out there possession after possession with getting little to nothing going on offense. And that's demoralizing and it will gas you out. And as the games get later on, like Tampa and Buffalo and the Raiders game and the Titans game late in the year, I know that's not really the root of your question, but I look at those four games in particular and yeah, I mean, that's Atlanta. Well, it took a, a frantic fourth quarter comeback to climb back into the game against Atlanta. Uh, the Jacksonville game was kind of the inverse where you jumped on them early and then you coasted the rest of the game and you didn't get things going and the defense got a turnover and you gave it right back to them. And then you get, set them up on a short field and, just not complimentary football in general. And some of that was game management. Some of that was coaching. Some of that was play calling. And some of that was execution. So, yeah, man, I, this time last year, we were convinced Brian Flores was, was going to be a, a long-term fixture as the head coach here at the Miami Dolphins. So I'm never going to say never. Like, y- you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You, we may never know the real true story about why the defense was what it was. So, yes, it's a concern. Uh, but the best you can do is take inventory on where your concerns exist, Right try to gauge the probability that they're going to manifest themselves and grip it and rip it and hope for the best. And, and that's kind of where I am with this Dolphins defense. And I do think the continuity that the team has afforded itself is going to be an advantage for the team coming into this upcoming season. Now, how well they sustain that we'll find out, but yeah, I think you have a reasonable question that you've asked here. Uh, Finkel is Einhorn. Every year. When single game tickets are available, I'm reminded how unbearable half the stadium is to sit in for the first half of the season. I don't think Ross and the Dolphins get enough flack for making it so uncomfortable. Say what you will about it being a home field advantage, even though we never win the first half of the season. But if I can't get tickets on the home side any time before October, it makes me not want to go. I wish there was a stronger push to put a roof on the stadium. I also think it would help our players. This is a double edged sword as far as I'm concerned, because and the entire league struggles with this component of it, which if we're being honest, is the battle between making the game day experience in person enjoyable, but not explicitly expensive. And, you know, I I think the shoe can go on the other foot, too, where you've gotten feedback from longtime ticket holders who say, hey, man, they encourage you to be too docile at the stadium and you don't really get to take advantage of the full fan interaction that a home field advantage you would like to see partake now there's a line that that has to be drawn with what's appropriate in game day conduct in the stands as a fan and what's not but um yeah i so i my first career game at hard rock stadium was to his first start against the rams In 2020, it's the first time I ever went down to Hard Rock Stadium for a game. And before that, I had really only ever gone to a handful of NFL games. The vast majority of the games that I had gone to was actually scouting for work purposes on the college level. And I've been to like the Big Ten Championship game, and I've been to a lot of neutral site places where you kind of get that back and forth exchange where there's always a reason to buzz, right? But my observation of the home field environment and i i can't speak to the heat too much because the vast majority of mine i like to sit high up and in the end zone and look down the middle of the field uh that's the 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 scout in me wanting to see the all 22 view of the field and i don't think there's a bad seat in the house uh, in that regard if you're you're on either end zone um was i i and i know winning breeds this i would love to see the dolphins encourage like if you if you want to make it enjoyable yes the heat the heat's going to suck right and a dome being a dome is what it is maybe a retractable roof if you wanted to reinvest in it i don't know that you would need to um i think they're kind of content and, and if you play the right brand of football i think the right brand of football has, has made it difficult to take advantage of the home field advantage because they they haven't played that style of football but if you can Get a winner. I mean, I was there on Thursday night for for Baltimore, and I know that's a night game, and that's not really the point that you're making. But fans got into it. I was there for the Patriots game, Week 18 last year. Fans got into it, and that was a late game too. That was a four something kick. So there's a couple opportunities. The game day experience across the entire league is something the entire league kind of kind of struggles with. I don't know that a roof solves that problem for you. It would just give you consistently conditioned environments. And that, that was one of the, the foundational pillars that the Dolphins dynasty was built on back in the seventies was coach Shula and running guys till they dropped and we're going to be better conditioned and they're going to come down here and they're going to run out of gas and it works in theory, but you have to play that style of ball. And we're going to potentially see a, a little bit more of a gravitation towards that mentality this upcoming year uh, our friends over bet online continue to be your number one spot for all your sports betting needs and information from all the latest odds news sports developments including this year's basketball playoffs major league baseball scores the fights and next year's nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting playoffs esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts
0: limitations apply see terms at discover.com credit card
1: my next take comes from at grinding the tape uh, this is a take of my own and I, I have not done this very often because a lot of times these turn into um whole show concepts but i have this take and i felt this was the right show and environment to to drop it in and only touch on it for a couple of minutes but I don't know if you guys are paying attention to what's going on in New England right now with the New England Patriots, but there's uh, no defined defensive coordinator. There's no defined offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels left and in his wake, he went to the Raiders to serve as the head coach in his wake. The team has platooned Matt Patricia, who was the de facto defensive coordinator uh, and served on the defensive side of the ball for like a decade. And Joe Judge, who's been a special teams coordinator, uh, and combined, I think they have one year of NFL experience working on the offensive side of the ball. As the two primary assistant coaches on the offensive side of the ball, they have not defined a play caller. They have not established the pecking order. It feels very 2021 Miami Dolphins-esque. And the reason I bring this up, the vibes are not completely Parallel, like Belichick's lost his star quarterback in Tom Brady as of two seasons ago, and he played the last two years in Tampa Bay. But I'm starting to get a little, and this report came from uh, the Boston Journal and uh, Mike Reese, I think it was, um, that the feedback from sources around the team and sources who have been speaking to players on the team are giving the impression that this offensive coaching staff science experiment is not going well. And I can't help, but think of the the comments that Robert Kraft provided about his franchise and how underwhelmed and disappointed we are that we didn't win a playoff game for the last three years, buddy. It's, Welcome to life as everybody else, first of all. Second of all, I'm starting to get a little bit of 95 Don Shula vibes from Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. And I'm, like, I won't sit here and pretend to know exactly how that played out, but I've read enough on it to know uh, that Coach Shula uh, had hit a plateau as a head coach of the Dolphins and Dan Marino and set the win record in 93. And then you get to 95 and you get to the end of the season. You lose your first playoff game to the bills. The bills have been a thorn in your side for forever. Don Shula steps down, but was effectively run out of town in Miami at the end of his tenure. And I think about Bill Belichick, How unseriously they took the departure of Tom Brady. How poorly they have historically drafted over the last eight or so years. Uh, The complete depreciation of the assistant coaching staff. The results that the team got for a Uber spending spree. In which they had at least for one year set the record for most guaranteed money signed in free agency in a, a week long period in the history of the NFL uh, to go from, what was it seven to 10 wins? They were seven and nine or, and then they were um, 10 and seven last year and gave up nearly a 50 spot to the Buffalo bills in the playoffs. And all that spending got them a three win increase, got them blown out in the playoffs. The dolphins swept them. They, lost several other players, but because of their spending spree the previous year, they didn't really have the draft capital to do it. Then they go out and they have the draft that they had this year. And then you looked at what the dolphins did with their assistant staff last year. And you said, Hey, that looked like a great idea. Why don't we do that? But we'll just have guys that have never coached offense before at the NFL level with any level of consistency, do it instead. If the Patriots hit the under on eight and a half wins. If the Patriots have a losing season, if the Patriots are seven and 10, I understand bill Belichick is close, but the appetite for Boston to sustain that kind of play is not high. And, and Bill's up there, right? Bill's, Bill's towards the, the end. And I know that it's especially because Tom retired and then unretired, it feels like these dudes are never going to go away. Uh, they will stop eventually. And I'm just kind of mindful of that because the tone in New England, it's funny what happens when you don't have an all time great Hall of Fame quarterback uh, handling stuff on the field for you. Uh, And that's where the Patriots find themselves now. And we'll see if they're able to stabilize their organization or not. But I can't help but sit here and just kind of keep a little bit of a watchful eye on that because I'm starting to get some of those. Shula 95, run them out of town kind of vibes. I got a couple other uh, reviews that I wanted to make sure we get into today on the show. Uh, The first one comes from Pat. And Pat wants to know, a dark horse candidate for someone who could be a surprise cut when it rolls around to August? That's a great question. Um, Can I say Miles Gaskin? Does Miles Gaskin count? as a surprise cut. I don't think you're going to see the um the Eric Rose of the world or anything like that get lopped off, but I certainly look at Miles Gaskin with the pecking order and the team's decision to bring back Savon Ahmed and three former starting running backs in the NFL this offseason. I don't know that you've got a role as an RB4. Maybe he gets traded. Maybe he's a trade candidate. I don't know how many backs you're going to carry, but you would think Savon Ahmed is going to be a piece of the puzzle given they made the decision to bring him back. So I think that that's probably the name on the offensive side of the ball that I'm most keen to say, despite the fact that they've been a significant contributor for the Dolphins the past two years, uh, is, is Miles Gaskin. And if that's an e- a cheap or easy way out, I apologize. There is um, no corners cut and no cheapness in our friends over at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. And you can visit built.com now and use promo code LOCK15 and save yourself 15% off your next order that is built. Dot .com promo code lot15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Uh, the next question comes from Travis. And Travis asked, rank the defensive backs in terms of how they come onto the field in sub-packages. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Javon Holland, Brandon Jones. Assuming those are the core four. Who's five? Who's six? I think, it, I think there's some of this that is dependent upon uh, the big nickel, right? Are, are you trying to play bigger from a tackling presence, or do you need more coverage options against more 10 and 11 personnel? Um, If it is coverage, I'm taking Nick Needham. If it is um, 11 personnel, but you want to get an extra hat who can fit the run with reliability, I think I'm taking Eric Rowe uh, as the five. I think those two are kind of on a tier of their own as the five and six, regardless. So if you got to go dime, they're both on the field and you can play some coverage options there. <sighs> if you got a team that likes to put their one, their top receiver inside in the slot, uh, I think you could probably make some level of, of, of an argument that Noah Benogany uh, would be the seven. I don't know that you'd ever get past. Seven, right? Because that's three down linemen and two line and a linebacker with seven DBs, and three of them are going to be safeties to kind of mix and match and move you around. So I would probably put that as the seven pecking order. And I know th- there's obviously upward room for growth for Noah Benagany, and, and that's not going to inspire anybody based on his his draft profile. But I would take my core four, and then am I trying to fit the run or play coverage? And it would be either Needham for coverage, row oh, for fitting the run. And uh, then Igbenogany off the bench behind that. The last question that I have. Actually, I, lied. I have two more. And one's a piggyback off of this one. Outside of the offensive line, which player on the Dolphins do you think would benefit the most from a position change? This is good fun. I'm looking over the roster right now. So forgive me if I take a little bit of time here and I will do my best to filibuster this. I will tell you, it's not going to be Connor Williams moving to center. No, thank you. Not going to pick that one. Uh, I'm not going to pick Robert Hunt moving to tackle. I will elect not to choose Zaquandre White and suggest moving him anywhere around. Obviously he's a UDFA. He's a pretty good catching the ball kind of a web. It's going to have to be somebody on defense. Can I shout out Trill Williams? Uh, Trill Williams, who was a UDFA signed originally in New Orleans last year. He plays a defensive back and then got cut by New Orleans and signed here in Miami and actively made the active roster, which I was stoked for him about because I really liked him uh, at the college level. I think Trill can be a really good safety. And I know right now he's listed on the death chart as a corner, he's predominantly a special teams guy, but I think the ceiling is higher for him there at safety. Uh, so I would would piggyback off of, of um, kind of that versatility and that ability to tackle and physicality and he's more of a taller, longer guy. And I would probably, I would give Trill some reps at safety and see how he does with it. And that brings me to my last question, which came uh, over Twitter and it was, do you think Solomon Kinley could transition to nose tackle? And NFLs never say never, right? And that's going to be a lame response that you're going to hear me say a lot because I've taken L's enough times with like definitive answers uh, to know better than to completely be dismissive of the idea of something. But I think Solomon at this point in his journey, even if he did transition to nose, I don't know that it would benefit the Miami Dolphins. Weight, playing weight has been a question for him. It really put him in the doghouse for the Dolphins last year to the point where like he couldn't even get on the field even when the offensive line was bad. And you probably get better push from him up front. Um, that is a big adjustment. I don't know that he has the length to, to two-gap and disengage with the level of consistency that you would want from a nose tackle. So even though he's a big body, I would be inclined to probably say no. Uh, I don't see that being a pathway for him. But it is uh, an interesting question given the, the size that he does provide and, and kind of us waiting to see like, okay, like is he not a scheme fit at all anymore? Like we're just going to move on. We traded up in this guy in the fourth round in 2020. Looks that way. But it is what it is. Hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod. Uh, Some fun topics. I usually don't bring my takes into the fray, but we did it this week. Uh, Would not be mad to see Belichick win six games and get kicked out of town. Preserve that Don Shula all-times win record. It's it's certainly something that's on my mind these days as we're watching things play out in the AFC East. But uh, thank you guys for checking out Locked on Dolphins. Hope you had a great week. I had a great week with all of you. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Fins up. Make it a good one. Talk with you guys again on Monday.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast.